dabble, bubble, knips and gobble, eye of spanner and foot of house, with this potion brew make trouble, turn this boy into a mouse. No, you can't do this. I don't want to be a mouse. I'm allergic to cheese. Hello, Adam, and hello, Alex. Hello. Hello. Um, great to have you back. Um, our last episode of Over the Garden Wall was really good, and um, I think quite well listened to. Oh, dear. So, um, no pressure. Uh, we just like, we like having you here. It's good. With, with all your many <laughs> friends to listen. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, I did ask for feedback on Twitter about whether I was awful and nobody responded. <laughs> so they may have all listened and thought no, I was terrible. They, they, so, no, no, they were lost for words of how informative <laughs> and interesting you were, definitely. <laughs> um, you were particularly interested in um, today's topic, which is The Witches by Roald Dahl. Um, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things that I actually remember from being a kid, um, even if mostly I remember rather than it being horror, I just remember like really wanting to be a mouse. Um, <laughs> which so for you, think, it's a sort of aspirational text. Yeah, no, I mean, the book really, really sells it as an idea that it would actually just be really, really lovely and you could just have a lot of fun. You're not going to live that long, but you know, at least you get to kind of like sneak around and have weird contraptions built for you by your lovely grandmama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um i don't think i got that far like i don't think i got <laughs> far enough to get to the life's great as a mouse bits um, for, for me this was one of the cursed books of childhood like <laughs> i couldn't even sleep in the same room as it i remember going around staying over it parents friends and their kid had a copy of the witches on the bookshelf and i think i had to ask my dad to come and remove the book. I didn't even want to <laughs> handle it myself. Um, so I think I only read the first few chapters as a kid, but I do remember watching the film and that also being terrifying. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I read it as a kid because I think, I think I had it read to me in class but I don't I'm pretty sure that I didn't read it because the illustrations are just so horrific that I I, I, I those would have been seared into my memory um, if I'd if I'd have seen those as a kid <laughs> um, so I'm pretty sure I didn't read it yeah it's funny because I really struggled with Quentin Blake's illustrative style as a kid I think it was a slightly obsessive thing but I found the kind of prickly scritchiness of it all like the sheer mm. messiness of his style to be really off-putting, whereas now I really appreciate I love how expressive it is. Um, mm. But as, as a kid, I really didn't like Quentin Blake's drawings. Um, I found them mm. quite viscerally upsetting, um, not just with the witches, in general, just his drawing style, um, like yeah. the bristliness or something like the twits as well. I remember the drawings being oh, very upsetting, yeah. whereas, <laughs> yeah, I really like it now. Like, um, there's a... A newish museum in London called the House of Illustration, mm. um, which exhibits um, the work of different illustrators. And I'm really hoping there'll be an exhibition on Quentin Blake, um, maybe a joint one of Quentin Blake and Shirley Hughes. Oh, I'd love to go to that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Did you watch the film as a kid? Yeah, I did. Um I saw it at a friend's house and I literally hid behind the sofa. Um, it's, it's the only time I actually remember doing that. But um, I sort of 
remember the beginning of the film quite clearly and then after that I was clearly hiding for quite significant portions of it. Your Um, memory is filled with the back of the sofa. uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Alex? Did you watch it? Um, I'm pretty sure that I watched it, although, again, my predominant memory is of the, like, weird machines (laughs) built around the house. Like, I think I just really, like... I I don't know if I was... It's weird, because I think... I was a very, very scared child, uh, but I didn't read a lot of horror. But the horror that I read, I don't think I was actually that that scared by. It was always really odd things that I was scared by. The, the book that I was terrified of was, uh, uh, I think I told Ren this, um, was just the cover was enough to unsettle me. Like, I definitely never read it as a child, but I was absolutely horrified by my brother's copy of A Clockwork Orange. Um <laughs> Because the cover was just this very immaculate, simple, pastel, abstract vision of this person with a cog instead of an eye and a yeah. top hat. And and that was horrific. Like, I remember hiding that book. I remember running away from that book. Uh, but yeah, no, The Witches was just, it was just a, a romp. You know, I think I always thought of Roald Dahl stuff as just being like these, they're, they're, they're fantastical in that way where they see things from a kid's perspective and then even when they're awful it's just like oh yeah that's just kind of how the world is the world's awful didn't you know <laughs> like um <laughs> and yeah i don't know i appreciated that that's interesting mm. because if you look at the genre classification of the film on imdb it's classified as a mystery adventure film mm. uh was my immediate feeling was what this is a horror film <laughs> but clearly you did experience it as an adventure film yeah mm. i think i think that yeah, I think that that's. I, I think that that might be how I cope with things that are horrific. It's just thinking of them as a jolly good romp. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I think it it makes sense, Adam, that you bailed on the book after the first couple of chapters as a kid, because I think quite the horror is quite front loaded in in the witches. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it really gets in in with it straight away. Um, because we start with um, with uh, the, uh, the the unnamed protagonist is um, staying with his grandmother, and she's um, she's teaching him how to recognise witches. Um, so the first couple of chapters are about how to recognise a witch, and then the grandmother's. Um, horrible tales about things that have happened to children at the hands of witches. Yeah, and it strikes up a very authoritative tone, uh, like uh, how Blair Witch Project or Texas Chainsaw Massacre start with their front-ended documentary-style sequences. Uh, This is very insistent that uh, it's not a fairy tale, it is about, capital letters, real witches. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And... uh, Real witches dress in ordinary clothes and look very much like ordinary women. They live in ordinary houses and they work in ordinary jobs. Um, it's telling me that the rhetoric around witches here is very similar to the rhetoric used, uh, sometimes quite crassly, uh, about psychopaths. Mm-hmm. The reading, say, John Ronson's The Psychopath Test. Um, you know, the experts on psychopaths really stress this idea of they look like you and me, but they're not the same as you and me. Um, uh-huh. Which, you know, I, 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 I think is somewhat overstressed, you know, often, um, you know, uh, by, by, by people who aren't, uh, don't have clinical knowledge. Um, yeah. But it struck me that the recurrent rhetoric around the witches in the book is very similar to this. That, yeah. you know. I mean... It's very abhorrent othering in a lot of ways. Like, you know, it's not it's not a, a pleasant thing if you in any way try and think of the, the people being described as being people and not like the embodiment of pure evil, um, uh, which yeah. is kind of gets away with being okay in this sort of situation, but also has like, yeah, an unpleasantness to it that I don't know if we can get away from. Yeah, mm. I think actually the film redeems it somewhat because... Apart from Angelica Houston's portrayal of the Grand High Witch, the witches seem a lot more just sort of creaturely than humans. They're these sort of chittering, ratty little creatures. Um, they never seem particularly like they're meant to be women. 
to me, at least mm. in the film. Whereas hmm. I feel that's less the case in the book. Um, it's interesting though, because then, like, I well, that was one of my problems with the film, which I know you want to talk about later. But like the fact that the, the potential for redemption um, for witches is one of those things that kind of goes against that and actually makes it. I don't know. It it it, it ah. sticks with me a little bit in terms of like such a black and white morality that it presents that at the same time if someone's capable of just for no explicit reason changing then is it really okay to go on a nine-year scheme in which you're going to attempt to annihilate every single one of this group uh, <laughs> that's before- a really good point actually yeah. we'll get onto that later but yeah normally people will talk about redemption being inserted into a narrative as kind of complicating the black and white morality you know that but but I see what you're saying. But here, actually, um, it's potentially very problematic <laughs> that redemption's introduced <laughs> because suddenly the witches become a lot more humanised, and then we might start mapping out onto the real world. And certainly, yeah. as a kid, um, you know, I do remember um, after re- having read the first few chapters, you know, eyeing women on the street suspiciously. You know, I had a, a teacher at school who was particularly mean to me, and I did suspect that she might be a witch for a short while, um, mm. based on my prejudices against her and uh, the fact that I felt she wasn't very nice to me. Um, and, yeah. I mean, so what are, what are some of the tells, some of the ways we can recognise Yeah, I was witches? just about to, for people who haven't seen this or read the book in a while, so the uh, the list of tells for the witches, they, they always wear gloves because they have uh, thin, curvy claws like a cat rather than fingernails. Um, they're entirely bald, but they always wear wigs to cover up their baldness. And because of this, um, they all get a terrible rash on their heads and always scratching their heads. Uh, they have large nostrils for smelling children. Um, and if you look in their eyes, the pupils change colour and sort of see fire and they kind of dance about and this curious coloured effect. Um, uh, they don't have toes. And their spit is blue. <laughs> and they um, use it as ink. <laughs> Which yeah, is just so convenient. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> one, of the, one of the many perks of being a witch. Yeah. <laughs> it, did, it did strike me uh, that um, hopefully there's been no one who's undergone chemotherapy and then has been accused by a young child of being a witch. Um, yeah. It seems like it could have happened. Yeah. I, I, yeah. There was there was a girl at my school who had like a really severe skin condition on the back of her head. Um, and um, I fully associated it with this. And like, I never actually thought like, oh, she must be a witch. But like, there was a connection of horror to that kind of like... Um, bodily thing and like you know that's really unpleasant to remember and realize that like yeah i i fell into that othering trap of like oh that that person's got something weird about their head they're they're horrible in some way um yeah mm. i mean that that's the most troubling aspect i think Roald Dahl's writing in general and you know i think there are books he wrote which are more generous i think matilda's generally seen as a more generous book perhaps so maybe some of the later books, but he definitely likes playing off abjection, right? And the villains being repulsive and repellent, and this obviously being um, manifesting itself physically, although I guess this is complicated in something like The Twits, where he kind of gives it the caveat that if you have beautiful thoughts and uh, a sunny disposition, then even if you're not conventionally attractive, you'll you'll still look nice. Alex, do you have your book with you? Uh, yes, I do. Um, can can you turn to pages four in my edition? Uh, Blake's drawing of the the two women, and one of them's a witch. Uh, yes. Um, so I'm going to say three, two, one, and then we'll say left or right, <laughs> and see if we agree on the one that's a witch. Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one. Left. left. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's the nostril. It's, it's the, nostril. the nostril. It's the slightly weird nostril. They are really genuinely unpleasant. Those nostrils, like, um, 
but yeah, what do you know? What if someone's just a heavy cocaine user and they just worn out their nostril a bit? Like, there's no reason to judge them and assume they're a witch. Uh, um. That's very fair. Yeah, I mean, I think I think um, Dal is sort of somewhat careful about this. In like, that he's saying like that he kind of stresses that it's not it's all of these things that means they're a witch like he's like oh you know you have to look for for all of these things to to show that they're a witch it's not just one of them but i mean it obviously people will particularly kids will take that and you know decide that people are a witch is just based on things they can't don't have any control of um that so apparently um yeah apparently this this book was um was banned from some libraries um due to people um thinking that it's misogynist ah. um i guess we've touched on that a bit but um i don't know i can't quite I can't quite. I'm not quite sure how I, what I think about that. I think it um, weirdly. I think it's more misogynist when it's talking about non-witches than when it's talking about witches. Like there's yeah. just quite there's quite a few like offhand like kind of like oh of course all other women are lovely um, <laughs> and kind of just like there's a slight patronising tone to when it's talking about like that like there's. There's really solid, strict gender lines about how people are supposed to be um, that's got nothing to do with the witches thing. And it's talking about people mm. other than witches. And that kind of came up about two or three times in a way that was just like, really? Um, but, you know, I guess that's, uh, yeah, that's one of the problems with this sort of thing. Although the um, grandma is kind of an exception to that rule. Like incredible stone birch grandma. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, you, you know who who isn't like you know villainous like uh, Mrs. Trunchbull in Matilda. Yeah, um, but you know is great, is resourceful and loving and um, hard and soft at the same time. Um, so Dolls was clearly capable of yeah. writing um, fully realised women. Yeah. Mm. And she is she is kind of brilliant as well. There is just a kind of like matter of fact love and uh, abruptness to her that is just yeah, just really joyful. Like there's so much affection between her and the narrator, um, mm. and yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, I thought it didn't shame it didn't come across so, quite so much in the film their relationship. Yeah. Um. Um. Yeah, I mean. I think that's that's I think that's what complicates it is that is that the, there is the character of the grandma who's a really is really great character. Um but I, I think there maybe is something about um you know, uh women who women who hate children being um being unnatural mm. kind of thing. Um as we get in the in Matilda as well with the Trunchbull. Yeah, yeah. what a hypocrite that role, though. He hated children too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he obviously hated children. Like, I, I just want to jump to the bit which is just this, uh, and I would have absolutely adored to be reading the book to uh, to kids in a school setting <laughs> and get the line about uh, she might even, and this will make you jump. She might even be your lovely school teacher who is reading these words to you at this very moment. Like, <laughs> I, I, I love that, like, he does. Like, this book seems designed to kind of, like, upset and distress in most ways. <laughs> and that, like, giving your teacher the chance to allude to the fact that they might be a witch is it's just, it's just brilliant. It's really smart kind of saying stuff. Sorry, that's a distraction, possibly, but yeah. No, no. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think I was. This book was read to me by by a high school teacher, um, <laughs> so I hope she enjoyed that. Um, I mean, Barbara Creed in her 
book The Monstrous Feminine has so famously analyses a lot of horror films right? so it talks about mm. Alien um, and asserts that lots of horror is kind of rooted in this idea of the feminine as abject or the monstrous feminine um, so the Grand High Witch in The Witches would combine the figure of the witch with the figure of the archaic mother um, mm-hmm. so um you know, but behind the kind of feminine facade uh, is is death, basically. You know, is rotting abjection. So mm-hmm. literally uh, in the film, when Angelica Houston, you know, takes off this uh, beautiful makeup mask, uh, you know, behind it, uh, she's like a sort of abject, rotting corpse. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I guess you could say this this is sort of playing off uh, fears around, I guess fears around barrenness, perhaps. I mean, we were talking about the bad women in the book being those who don't like children. Mm. Um, So I don't know if horror is situated as um, women who, yeah, aren't motherly and aren't giving birth to kids. Yeah. Um Yeah, I think there's there's an aspect of that. Um I mean it's a trope, isn't it? Um <laughs> I don't know, I, I watched half of Jurassic World before giving up in disgust, but that was <laughs> you know, just in that film there's you know, there's the <laughs> and that this is a recent film where there's the uh the the career woman who who doesn't like kids and she just gets I don't know like mauled by a pterodactyl as punishment or something. It's, it's what happens. Like, <laughs> it's <yeah>. what happens. <laughs> <laughs> just pterodactyls <laughs> employed by the state <laughs> <laughs> to further their patriarchal aims. Damn them. Damn their beady eyes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it is like. It's interesting. It's quite it's quite indirect, and then there is the kind of like this is about kidnapping children as well. Like like mm. you know, like obviously, like the the hatred of children is a kind of part of it. But like, there's this. It's so weird to be talking about like something that like I don't know. When I was reading this, you like you kind of had those kind of like corny like stranger danger kind of videos. It's easy enough to know who's good and who's bad on the telly. People are not always what they seem to be in real life. You've never met any of these people. How do you know whether they're good or bad? You can't tell by looking at them. And that's why you must say no to strangers. At the same time Mm -hmm. as having this book that's telling you that there's there's women who are going (laughs) to... turn you into mice or dolphins or paintings or or something um and and it's like and it's weird because like actually there's there is like i mean i know that I've, I, maybe this is just me being weird but like there's a kind of positivity to the places where most of these kids are taken to like you know this idea of being a mouse is is still it's just fun it's made to seem exciting like explicitly within about like a page of the narrator being turned into a mouse he's talking about like how great it is about how exciting it is about how fast he can move and all of these kind of things and oh there's a few downsides but no this is great um and like in the little stories at the beginning like you know the family gets to spend a whole day playing with their pauper sibling before before he disappears and i don't know there's just there's so many weird weird messages going into there that i almost feel like it's trying to encourage you to go and get caught by a witch because you'll probably have a really exciting life well i mean i don't think it turns out so good so shall i read the passage um with the girl who's trapped in the painting yeah oh yeah there was a family called Christiansen. They lived up on Holmen Colin, and they had an old oil painting in the living room, which they were very proud of. The painting showed some ducks in the yard outside a farmhouse. There were no people in the painting, just a flock of ducks in a grassy farmyard and the farmhouse in the background. It was a large painting and rather pretty. 
Well, one day their daughter Solveig came home from school eating an apple. She said a nice lady had given it to her on the street. The next morning, little Solveig was not in her bed. The parents searched everywhere, but they couldn't find her. Then all of a sudden, her father shouted, There she is! There's Solveig, feeding the ducks! He was pointing at the oil painting, and sure enough, Solveig was in it. She was standing in the farmyard in the act of throwing bread to the ducks out of a basket. The father rushed up to the painting and touched her, but that didn't help. She was simply a part of the painting, just a picture, painted on the canvas. Did you ever see that painting, Grandmama, with the little girl in it? Well, many times, my grandmother said, and the peculiar thing was that little Solveig kept changing her position in the picture. One day, she would actually be inside the farmhouse, and you could see her face looking out of the window. Another day, she would be far over to the left with a duck in her arms. Did you see her moving in the picture, Grandmama? Nobody did. Whenever she was, whether outside feeding the ducks or inside looking out of the window, she was always motionless, just a figure painted in oils. It was all very odd, my grandmother said. Very odd indeed. And what was most odd of all was that as the years went by, she kept growing older in the picture. In ten years, the small girl had become a young woman. In thirty years, she was middle-aged. Then all at once, fifty-four years after it all happened, she disappeared from the picture altogether. You mean she died? I said. Who knows? My grandmother said. Some very mysterious things go on in the world of witches. <laughs> she gets to live out her life in a room a little. I don't see the problem. <laughs> Like in a John Constable painting. <laughs> yeah, like there's ducks. Yeah, <laughs> she lives, yeah, a, full, she lives ducks. a full life. I've, I've, you know, people have worse. It's like Animal um, Crossing or something. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, that's one of the ones that actually I think um, uh, for me, like, re like was much uh, actually managed to be bleaker in the film. Like uh, oh. one, mm. on rewatching, like. Yeah, the, just just the image of the little girl staring out of the window of the barn in the painting is, yeah, that 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 it's got quite, it's me. quite haunting. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Once once I knew that she could move around and feed ducks and like just hang out a bit, like it was fine. But like that, just that image, and yeah. Well, there's um. another little child in a painting at the hotel in the film, which it seems yes. like, yeah, of course, mm, which it seems like the witch is thinking about snuffing out <laughs> with her finger. Yeah. Suggesting this is a, a regular tactic yeah. with them. Um, who did you want to, to talk about the hotel, Adam? Yeah, the hotel, to me, feels a lot more fully realised in the film than it does in the book. How about you? Um, it reminded me of the hotel in Paper House. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. It's around the same time. They're both by the sea. It just, uh, I just thought it was interesting that we've now watched two films that have sort of slightly bleak seaside English hotels in them. <laughs> They're I definitely a, a good site of horror, aren't they? A, a, a bleak English seaside hotel. <laughs> yeah, I just watched um, Jonathan Miller's adaptation of M.R. James's Whistle and I'll Come to You and one of the BBC's Ghost Stories for Christmas mm. and that's all set in an East Anglican um, hotel on the Suffolk coast mm. with this old academic sort of trudging around the beach and then returning to his hotel and being <laughs> visited by an entity in the dead of night <laughs> yeah um, so the, yeah the um the boy and the grandmother go um, go on a holiday to to this hotel, and um, it turns out that the uh, the grand annual meeting of all the witches in England um, is meeting there and being lectured to by the Grand High Witch. Oh, <laughs> what are the chances? <laughs> um, and and Ren, did you notice uh, who was amongst the witches? 
as one of them. No. I'll give you a hint. It's a member of Monty Python. Yeah, yeah, Michael Palin. <laughs> Michael oh. Palin was one of the witches. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I was a bit baffled at the fact that they'd like they'd, and I, and I worried that this is my imagination and I missed it. But it looked to me like they switched um, the name, like in the in the book. They are uh, meeting under the auspices of the Royal Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Children, uh, which doesn't exist because it's a national society. Yeah. But in the film, it, it does appear to be the National Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Children, <laughs> which seems like a, 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 a cruel thing to smear, like the, the, a, quite, a quite popular and necessary charity. Oh, God, we're going to um, be our own pizza gate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Expose A. Yeah. Oh, God. But yeah, I do agree with you about the. Um, I think that the hotel. Like, I think that there's something about hotels. They're 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 very visual and recognisable, particularly for horror. Like you know, there is this the uniformity of like one room to the next and corridors kind of stretching out into infinity. They've been used so many times that there is a horror in hotels. Whereas in in the book, like it's a hotel in Bournemouth, and like. The mundanity of that is good and makes it feel real, but like also just Bournemouth. Like, <laughs> it's, I, I just can't get excited about a conference happening in Bournemouth. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a challenge. I, I think I should go and attend a conference in Bournemouth and spook it up. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, they, I like it's interesting. One of the things that I don't think I'd ever registered is that, like, it, my memories of Roald Dahl books in general, and particularly The Witches, like, feel quite vivid to me and feel like they have that kind of like sense of place and location. But actually, he doesn't describe anything. You know, you get mm. so little of anything apart from maybe a bit about the characters and a load of like onomatopoeia about whatever is happening at the time like the action is kind of the action's really vivid but the actual setting isn't mm. isn't really sketched out at all which um mm. isn't how i remembered it and i don't know at this point whether that's because i overlaid what i saw in the film over my memory of the book or or whether yeah whether i did have those really vivid experiences and it was just me filling in the gaps yeah i'd agree that's really interesting that the setting feels very much like it's there to stage the action yeah. and to be used, but actually in and of itself, in the book, it's not particularly interesting. Yeah. yeah. And it is a very short book as well. Yeah. Um, like, the copy that I read is 206 pages in big print with lots of illustrations. Yeah. Like, it's... um. I feel like I was trying to compare the level of horror between this and The Haunting of Eliza Bell Cray. And I think that may be about equal, but it's so much denser in The Witches as it's a significantly shorter book. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. And it's very, it's very like action to action to action. Like, I think it's one of the things which, which, caught, like, makes the film suffer is that there's this kind of like almost episodic structure to the chapters and like it's just a thing happens and then the next thing happens and then the next thing happens and apart from the beginning and the end they're all so rapid and quick fire and I think that 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 damages the pacing of the film as it tries to keep up with that pace and kind of never quite stops or never quite establishes a tone very clearly Um, Mm. I think um Yeah, I was thinking about the film. I was like, I think it's better in retrospect than when you're actually watching it. Because now it's like a week since I watched it and I was like, oh, that was was kind of good. And I'm remembering like the good set pieces and the puppets and things. But actually when you're watching it, it's it's often quite clunky and the pacing feels a bit weird. And 
Um, and just very weird additions, like, you know, I guess in mm-hmm. some sense it fleshes out the hotel that, you know, that Rowan Atkinson is having an affair, an affair with one of the chambermaids, but, like, <laughs> it's not in the book, it's not really necessary, it doesn't, <laughs> like, it's just, it's just yet another thing that we've got to, got to try and pass as we're going through this quite hectic, quite hectic film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah i guess actually that one of the qualities that makes a good kids film is that it looks better in retrospect because those are the ones that you remember and really want to mm. <laughs> like <laughs> you know the way you interact with a lot of kids media isn't through the media itself it's your memories of it and yeah i mean i guess that's from my perspective as a grown-up but mm. um, yeah it is it is a film of moments i think yeah. and yeah of set pieces like the transformation sequences yeah know, are very striking and grotesque i'm just impressed at like like first of all like the mouse puppets are brilliant but also like the mouse work you know the 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 training of those animals and like getting all of Mm. those shots that work and fit with everything like that must have been impossible like i can't imagine it you know no one would ever make a film like this now because you're just cgi it. you know you just go through to that and i hate to be one of those like horrible nostalgia themes but like there's really there's something about the kind of practicality of it that like really yeah really shows well in it a lot of the time mm. yeah it feels embodied right yeah it, yeah mm. um in a way that's pretty satisfying um yeah. I, I certainly didn't like the transformations as a kid uh, yeah <laughs> there's um particularly um uh, there's another boy in the hotel called Bruno who gets turned into a mouse. Um, particularly, his transformation is uh, is quite awful. Yeah, yeah that's the um, one that stuck out to me as especially awful this time round. Five. I can't even four, see any chocolate. Three, well, one of these things Mm. I mean, it's full American werewolf in London, isn't it? Like, it actually go, <laughs> it goes for those little physical details in a way that you kind of don't expect it. And, like, I think they possibly spent a lot of their transformation budget on that one and so rushed the rest of them just to kind of, like, get through it. But, yeah, it really it makes a mark. He's also, like, farting and burping out this green yeah. gas, which just <laughs> makes it even more disgusting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, um, I was reading... Uh, the Wikipedia article. Uh, apparently, um, which I, I'm quite tantalising, the original cut of the film was scarier. Um, <laughs> but um, the director edited out some scenes after, like, guinea-picking his son. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my son's like a crying wreck. <laughs> So if only the young boy rogue had uh, had a slightly sturdier stomach, we might have been, uh, we might be even more distressed now. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's also like I think it's a bit of a shame. Like the one thing, one of the things that kind of strikes me about transformation in the books that like I'm kind of sad that they missed it. Although I guess it would make it more of a comedy. Is like the first step of the transformation being like jumping into the air and yelling like you've just had a sat on a pin. <laughs> uh, like it's so it's there's something really vivid and silly and yeah i i don't know i i liked it i think that was good in there i think um, quentin Brake's drawings are at their best of the transformation especially yeah. bruno it's great he looks so wibbly yeah <laughs> um um yeah so so the most one the most iconically horrifying bit in both the book and the film is when uh the grand high witch removes her face i see and to uh, reveal her true form is uh the rest of the witches are more or less you know they they look like people but they just they're bald and they don't have toes and so on but the grand high witch is uh is much more monstrous um i'll just read the re- read the extract from the book um that face of hers was the most frightful and frightening thing i had ever seen just looking at it gave me the shakes all over. It was so crumpled and wizened, so shrunken and shriveled, it looked as though it had been pickled in vinegar. It was a fearsome and ghastly sight. There was something terribly wrong with it, something foul and putrid and decayed. It seemed quite literally to be rotting away at the edges, and in the middle of the face, around the mouth and cheeks, I could see the skin all cankered and worm-eaten, as though maggots were working away in there. 
Gross. <laughs> All right, don't hold back. <laughs> and again, Quentin Brake's picture of it is is yeah, genuinely like yeah, quite unpleasant. Um, it's mm. good. It's good. It, it kind of Italian zombie film image, like you know, really corpsey. <laughs> yeah, it's very corpsey. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, well, do you want to talk about um, Houston's performance mm. quickly? Uh, as, yeah, as the yeah. Grand Light Witch, because she really kind of vamps it up, right? Hmm. Um. I think she's what pe- everyone remembers from the film. Um, and she's um, she's sort of slightly German, um, actually quite German. I think she's quite German. Yeah, in the yeah. Film. she's definitely a lot more like I don't think it's explicit that she's German in the book. Like, and in fact, the ro- mm. the the rolling R's doesn't really make sense for German. So I think it's supposed to be like a kind of pan-European monstrosity. Um, in the in <laughs> yeah. the book, um, uh, whereas the film goes, yeah, goes very German. So are the witches basically Nazis in the film? <laughs> Seriously, well, they're, are they're they doing ex- that? I, I, I think like given given the well, Rob Dahl being reportedly like fairly anti-Semitic in personal uh, correspondence, kind of indicates that it might not be. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Ren is not sure. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I didn't really. I don't know. I didn't really get that. Uh, do you, that sense. Do you like? Do you like Houston's performance in it? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um. Um. Yeah, I like how. Um, I like the the. <laughs> the drama she brings to it um the um makes the grand high witch uh very performative and um what do you think yeah i like that she's clearly relishing the role and having a lot of fun with it um mm. and obviously she gets a kind of stage to herself so uh, she really does get to perform <laughs> Yeah. Did you want to do texture of the week? Sure. Right. <laughs> um. I don't. Oh, don't have any instruments. I've got some rusting paper. Hmm. Mm. Um, I'm going to go first. My texture of the week is when in the book, um, the uh, Grand High Witch is giving the recipe for the uh, for the the potion to turn all the children into mice. Um, and there's all sort of fantastical ingredients, but um, you like uh you take the wrong end of a telescope and you boil it until it goes soft and you roast an alarm cock in the oven until it's crisp and tender. Enjoy those textures. <laughs> that was going to be mine. <laughs> no, oh. sorry. It's all right, I've got a backup texture. You both really like crispy alarm clocks. Just, just there's something about like the, the fact that it's tender. I think like the idea that when you boil an alarm clock, eventually it will be crisp on the outside and like re- but really tender and moist in the middle. Oh, like, like deep fried really, tofu. Yeah, mm. yeah. Oh, um, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I love it. I mean, the whole of the, the recipe is probably one of my favourite bits that was cut from the film. I think. I think it's. Mm. I can't believe that you'd turn down an opportunity to just like go through <laughs> that kind of like stream of odd objects and things. And yeah, and it's so so visceral <laughs> and just these wonderful sounds and and that was so my te- my other texture of the week as a backup um, is basically just just rolled dials on a matapia and made up words and just like the willingness mm-hmm. to kind of go into it. Uh, but particularly uh, when she is, uh, I'm not going to attempt to do the accent, but when she's attempting to uh, 
she's telling off one of the witches and starts calling it, you blithering bumpkin, screeched the Grand High Witch. You brainless bog vampire. Are you not realising that if you're going around poisoning little children, you will be caught in five minutes flat? Never in my life am I hearing such a bosh volloping suggestion coming from a bitch. <laughs> and bosh volloping is definitely the best textured word I've heard. Uh, this week it's wonderful I just I just love it I love the way that I think that, that that's what I think that's how well Dahl's language gets you as a kid is that like there's just this kind yeah. of like this fictional language and it's just this joy in the idea that you can just make up a word and if it sounds right and fantastic and true then it is true while you're listening to it and you believe in <laughs> you believe in the things that he's saying and like this isn't even one of the books that goes that that far in that direction you know there's no vermicious canids um or any mm-hmm. of that sort of stuff but yeah i don't know i i like the tech just the texture of the language um and bosh volloping in particular bosh volloping <laughs> <laughs> Adam? Probably the prosthetic nose of the Grand High Witch. Oh, yeah. That is a great <laughs> beak-like rubbery nose. Just the rubberiness <laughs> of the prosthetics in this film. Uh, I mean, Nigel Booth was responsible for the prosthetic makeup, so I think a shout-out to him for doing such a good job. Yeah. The unpleasantness <laughs> of uh, the mask, of her mask going back on over that nose and kind of like brushing <laughs> yeah. it back down into place <laughs> as, her, as her face gets wrapped back around her is is definitely a strong contender for Texture of the Week if you're looking for something significantly less pleasant. <laughs> um, it kind of makes me think of the, the skin mask in Brazil. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. It's, uh, it's really yeah. a really similar image, isn't it? <laughs> um cool um should we talk about the ending or endings as as they get as this is the biggest um divergence um between the book and the film yeah Yeah. um i want to just um if i can just mm. leap back to the fact that like the ending is Mm. kind of like foretold at the beginning in the book in a in a like weird little weird bit of perspective that i really like and I mentioned briefly, which is that, like, the at the beginning of the second chapter, the narrator, um, uh, the narrator points to themselves uh, with their language, like so. I myself have had two separate encounters with witches before I was eight years old. From the first, I escaped unharmed, but on the second occasion, I was not so lucky. Things happened to me that would probably make you scream when you read about them. That can't be helped. The truth must be told. The fact that I am still here and able to speak to you, however peculiar I may look, is due entirely to my wonderful grandmother. Um, (laughs) And I love that. Like, I know that, like, it's really, like, textbook foreshadowing, but, like, that, just (laughs) to drop that in in such a wonderful way and just, like, oh, what has happened to this boy? Like, how how are they able to talk to me? Like, where, where does that come from? And, like that peculiarity that really gets me i think that's really lovely to what does he look like <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. does some weird things to the ending in terms of the book in terms of like when this is situated and like who he's talking to and like i always find it it's it's interesting to me that the book presents itself as being read in a book and told by a teacher and <laughs> told by the main character like over a coffee <laughs> like, um, like yeah. do, do, do you think like Perhaps the narrator and his grandma are on a kind of lecture tour of schools, uh, <laughs> having successfully rid most of the world of witches. Yeah, I mean, it's it must be like, but it's such a short time window. Like, I was worried about whether they'd have time to uh, to get rid of all of the witches. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, they're they're really efficient. Really efficient, um, like, and it's so yeah. odd. Like, so oh, sorry, I'm jumping before you've actually told the story of the ending. <laughs> do you want to? Uh, do you want to? Do you want to? Oh yeah, well, I mean. Essentially, in the book, um, it it ends well. They 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 pull off in both the book and the film. They pull off this plan to to take the the mouse making potion that the uh, witches were going to put into chocolates to sell to children to turn them into mice. And they they um, and uh, the boy in his mouse form manages to sneak into the kitchen and pour it into the soup 
the, the the witches are having that evening, and they all turn into they all turn into mice and, and get like stamped on and exterminated and run away from um, in the hotel. Um, so, boy and his grandmother go home. Um, at the um, as we've as we've mentioned, to various contraptions rigged up so that the boy can uh, can get around the house in his mouse form. And uh, and in the book, um, he uh, he asks he one day asks his grandmother how long mice live, and she says, "Oh, maybe." maybe another nine years or so. Um, and he says, oh, okay. Um, uh, and he's like, do, do you think you'll, you'll live another nine years? And she's like, yeah, I reckon I could do that. Um, <laughs> and just, oh, great. That's nice and simple. <laughs> that, that makes- <laughs> like, it, it's, it is wonderful that he is just immediately like, oh, that's fine. That's brilliant. Nine, yeah. nine years, enough time, enough time for us to hang out a bit. I wouldn't want to live any longer than you anyway, because you're wonderful. Uh, like it's super sweet it's super kind and there's something super lovely about it and i would point out that the grand the grandma was like oh yeah mice live about three years but you're a human mouse so Uh, i guess about nine years (laughs) (laughs) um and then they they come up with the uh with the idea to um to uh a plan to to go around the world and uh, turn all the all of the witches in the world into into mice and then uh, release cats to, to eat them. <laughs> hey, give that back! Mouse trouble? Then you need mouse trap. Mouse trap? I guarantee it's the craziest trap you'll ever see. The first to capture everyone else's mouse is the winner. Just turn the crank and snap the plank and boot the marble right down the chute. Now watch it roll and hit the pole and knock the ball in the rubber up top, which hits the man into the pan. The trap is set. Here comes the net. Ouch! Mouse trap. And then um, steal their castle. Let's not forget. Like, oh, yeah. Just, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's just go and move into the castle. That will be great. <laughs> so that's their plan for the for the yeah. rest of their lives. Um, and to, yeah, go on this kind of world tour of annihilating every witch in the in the <laughs> in the world. Um, but then uh, this is clearly considered a bit too bizarre or bleak for the film so i mean it's a bizarre but the the ending of the film is is more bizarre really um is we have uh the uh the the grand high witch's secretary who was banned from the dining room and consequently escaped being turned into a mouse um has a has a change of heart this is where this redemption comes in and turns up at Luke, uh, the boy's called Luke in the film, turns up at his house to uh, turn him back into a human before sort of disappearing off into the sunset. Um, which is uh, quite unexpected. Yeah, um, and a redemption purely motivated by spite at one's boss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is the best form, you know. Like we, we, must, we must unite and overthrow the bosses. Like, you know, like, I'm, I'm all for the message in principle, but um, it's, it seems so odd. Like there's just, there's a few hints about the fact that she doesn't get on with the, the Grand High Witch and the Grand High Witch is an awful boss to her. And then that's enough to just suddenly like, yeah, just suddenly yield a like complete tournament. It's like, oh yeah, no, I'm good now. I'm just going to go and track down those people and um, turn them back into a human because obviously that would be great. And it just loses so much of the charm. Like, there's such a kind of like, yeah, like so. I wrote, I wrote uh, death positivity uh, because apparently whenever I come on, like that's a thing that comes up in the <laughs> in the things that we watch. Um, but like, you know, it is really, it's really charming actually that he says that actually yeah no i i we we love each other we're really good together we have a way to work out our way through the world so i'm quite glad that we're going to die at the same end so that's a form of death positivity but also just mm. the kind of like yeah like i say the fact that he's just so happy to be a mouse and so happy to just go about and take advantage of that and and yeah build adapt the world so that he's able to function in it and yeah i don't know there's something really cheerful about that and like you get to look at it as a kid reading it and it's weirdly i don't know i feel like 
I feel like I would have been really reassured by the fact that I knew that they were off kind of dealing with the witch problem. So actually, this kind of existential dread of all women that I'm supposed to have, I don't have to worry about it because all of the ones in England have been got already, definitely. <laughs> and I trust these guys to go and deal with the rest of the world as well. So, yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think... I think it is kind of a reassuring ending in the way because it's like this really terrible thing has happened has happened to him but he's he's all right yeah <laughs> like yeah and the film nearly goes for that as well like you know it has a really sweet like him getting up into his like ghostbusters firehouse building and, <laughs> and his weird little meccano lift and like you know and and he's there and and that's it they've just ad- adjusted to that fact well, and that- it seems like a good. It seems like a good ending, and it seems really odd that just suddenly Jane Horrocks shows up and is like, "Oh no, it's fine. Uh, I'm going to fix things." Um, and yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just find it odd semantically, or in terms of the meaning of it. Like. Apparently, both endings were originally, <laughs> um, ah. and ah. they ended up going with the more optimistic endings. Yeah. Um, which Roald Dahl was very upset about um, yeah. and uh, originally wanted his name removed from the credits. So clearly this death positivity was very central to what he was trying to get across. Yeah. Um, mm. Because, yeah, apparently he was he was very upset and angry that uh, that it was altered in that way. Yeah. I think it... I just think it doesn't actually make the ending more positive. I think that that's the thing is it's so tagged on and it's so it's just one little element that I just don't think it it really mm. makes a, a huge amount of difference and like yeah I just it just feels quite pointless like you know that yeah I don't know but then as we said I have quite an odd relationship with this uh with this book and I just wanted to be a mouse when I was little so who knows <laughs> or an ant my other option was an ant so I was really upset when Bruno Jenkins is boiling ants I remember I do remember that like I did have a sudden flashback to getting really upset reading the book that uh Bruno Jenkins uh burnt a- ants with magnifying glasses because I was obsessed with ants when I was little um anyway sorry <laughs> uh, that's brought back an upsetting memory of trying to study an ant under a, a, a child's microscope when I was young and accidentally crushing it. Oh no! Um, or ha- half crushing it under the edge of the, the microscope <laughs> and then looking at it under the microscope and Ooh. it kind of bucking wildly like a dying horse. Oh! Oh, and that God. was when Adam learnt about death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it, was, it was very upsetting. I felt oh. very guilty, obviously. Oh, love, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got a vivid image. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so on that bombshell. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's that's why we do this podcast. To, uh, <laughs> to work through remember. our issues with death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just therapy, really. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. Brilliant. All right. Um, thank you very much, Alex, um, for, yeah. for joining us. No, thank, thank you. you for having it's me. It's been great. Um, Adam... Oh no! You do you do, no a... no! I I do, you do the credits first, don't you? Oh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh I guess I do. Okay, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> uh, intro music's by Maki Yamazaki. Uh, outro music's by Jay Kelly. Artwork's by Letty Wilson. Uh, we have all their details in the show notes, and I'll give a link to Alex's stuff as well, so you can check that out. Um, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at at Still Scared Pod. Um, or email us at stillscaredpodcast at gmail.com or leave us a review on iTunes um, <laughs> or leave us a review on iTunes Ooh. well uh, thanks for listening chat bags and boot bogglers have a rotten <laughs> good night <laughs> <laughs> bye bye <laughs>